0: Support for this podcast provided by Pulse M. Pulse M is the number 1 review generation platform built for home services. The majority of SGI members use Pulse M for Google reviews, customer communication through text messaging and much more. For more information, please visit pulsem.me.
1: We do look at each tech and their average ticket for the last 30 days we, we look at what we call their SLM or their success rate it's okay. if they have uh, set a lead uh, made a sale or, or sold a membership okay. and so we're, I like we're that. the success rate so we look very closely at their success rate and we're always looking at a trailing 30 days we used to look at it a 7 and a 30 day trailing the difficulty is just like we just talked about Uh, A guy can have an awful seven days, but can still have a great month.
2: Right, right. When you
1: have more data points in 30 days, it's a more accurate reflection of how they're performing.
2: Welcome to The Successful Contractor, powered by Success Group International, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchen. Hello there, SGI family and other contractor friends. I'm so thankful you're here. Uh, As a reminder, all episodes of the Successful Contractor Show are available on YouTube as well as your favorite podcast player of choice, so please choose the medium that best works for you. Um, I'm incredibly excited to bring to you today a conversation I had with Tim Bolden of Bolden Brothers in Newark, Delaware. Now, Tim's been a uh, part of SGI since it first started in the late 90s, and now he's actually a part owner of the organization, SGI. So uh, while this is Tim's first time on the show, it's definitely not the first time he and I have talked or worked together um, he is truly a fountain of knowledge and loves helping other contractors. Um, what I love about Tim is he just has a mind for numbers. As he says it, uh, he's kind of a geek about them and it's why the company typically year after year is growing and it's highly profitable and 2021 looks like another stellar year. I think he said he's on target for nine and a half million dollars at another double digit profitable year. So great year. Um, In this 50-some-odd minute interview, Tim drops a ton of insight. We talk about his rule on how to add children to a a business. Um, Tim shares his insights on what really happens when you add a new trade to an existing service business. Um, He shares his importance of focusing on effectiveness, not efficiency. We talk about the traits of a great service manager, um, how VMI, or a Vendor Managed Inventory System, has transformed Bolden Brothers. Um, we talk about the importance of a manpower plan to accompany a annual budget. Uh, we talk about how to track tech performance, how to incentivize a senior management team, and so much more. So um, I think you're going to enjoy this interview with Tim Bolden of Bolden Brothers and take away a nugget or two. Well, Tim, thank you so much for taking uh, time with me today. I know uh, it's getting really busy this time of year for for guys in the HVAC world, So, but I very much appreciate it. Um, for everyone that's tuning in, can you please share... With them, your name, your company name, and where you guys are located. Hi, I'm Tim Bolden with Bolden Brothers in Newark, Delaware. Very good, very good, Tim. And just so people kind of understand the size of your operation, um, what, what do you what do you guys think? What do you what are you projecting to try and hit here in, in 2021?
1: We were but uh, for 8.7, 8. 7, uh, between 8.7 and 8.8. 8, uh, the pace that we're on, I think we'll do about 9.5 this year.
2: That's fantastic. Of course, a double-digit profitability. I know that you know you the guru of numbers. I have no doubt in my mind that'll happen this <laughs> year with a little with a little more predictability uh, now that uh, a certain virus is starting to go away. Um, now, just explain for everyone what you do all three three trades, correct? We do HVAC, plumbing, and electric. And you used to do gas business, which is no longer part of Bolden Brothers, right?
1: It, it, we're actually celebrating our 75th anniversary this year. It started in 1946, and it was my grandfather and his brother, and they started a coal delivery business oh my goodness so it went from coal and then coal was phasing out in the 60s and got into heating oil and propane a lot of other small sidelines uh we sold the oil business in 01 we sold the propane business at the end of 19 and now it's hvc plumbing and electric that's correct. That's 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 a lot of evolution
2: over time, and I, and I I'll, I'll I'll plug into that in a bit more in just a second. Um, we're talking today though because obviously you are a investor in SGI. You've been a member since what 1998
1: or 99. I believe it was 99. I was in 99. the
2: first group. Man, you you predate me. That's that's crazy by by a good four years or so. So you you guys uh, you drank the Kool Aid real early, and we've kept you locked in somehow. But. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so let's let's get into some some um, some Bolden Brothers history because I I think so much can be learned from people's backgrounds and and what they've overcome. So you you said your grandfather and your great uncle, you said, started the business. Correct. Yep. What what were they doing beforehand? Did
1: you, did you ever hear the story why they decided to to venture out on their own? Uh, actually, I don't know what my great uncle was doing. My grandfather was a terminal manager or a dispatch manager for Woolyham, a regional trucking company. Okay. I believe that my grandfather was a, uh, a silent partner, a, a minority investor, but I okay. do not know what my great uncle was doing. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. And then when, when did the, i Sorry oh, to interrupt, ahead. but it started as Bolden Brothers. And so okay. that's been so much fun seven years ago, I think, going back to the Bolden Brothers name. Oh,
2: right. Very, very. Right. Well, we can get into that in a bit if you want to but um but yeah so so when did i guess your father and or what was the next generation of bolins that took over let's, let's um
1: so what happened is my father bought an oil truck in 59 okay. uh separate from the business that they had started okay uh, and, and he bought out their business in 62. okay since 62. And, so when did uh, when did you and your brother get
2: uh, i'm sure you were always around it but when did we're always when around did you, right right when did you officially take
1: official roles in in the business i started right out of college in 88 in 88 okay my brother was four years later in 92. okay okay
2: and and so your father he was running the business and and when did when did you you two
1: eventually kind of uh take over ownership and leadership uh boy uh leadership is a i don't i can't tell you exactly i'm guessing well it's a funny story my father uh, started going to Florida for the winter, and he took one week, and then it was two weeks, and then oh, yeah. it was a month, and then yeah. finally he took the whole winter there. and And he would tell people that he's not retired, and we would say, Dad, you can say whatever you want, but if we're in the fuels business and you take the winter off, you're retired.
2: <laughs> he's a smart guy. I'm thinking Delaware in the
1: winter probably isn't the best place to hang out. A lot like Missouri. Probably <laughs> by um mm, 2000 mike and i were, were mostly running it maybe 2002 something like that okay uh, he was still coming in when he wasn't in florida and and was uh, still involved but most of the yeah. day and most of the major decisions were being made by us yeah bouncing it off of him and then we became the official owners in uh 2007 2007.
2: now when did what did you start out as did they they throw you digging ditches and all
1: that stuff or or they take it easy on you when you got it no at the time we had a division uh uh, for motor oil so we did commercial lubricants uh castro quaker state pens oil in cases and in bulk uh and then we also had a, a a division that competed with safety cleaner for you're familiar with automotive parts cleaners in the shop yeah yeah and so i went down to that business i was supposed to go into sales which would have been a good lesson yeah uh, but i didn't have a chance to do that because the manager thought he saw the writing on the wall and quit uh, because uh, i was yeah. starting and my dad sure. had no desire for me to run that business in the long term yeah uh, so he left and so i was thrown into that position. And yeah, that's one of the reasons why we have a rule in place now that uh, our kids, Mike and I, if they want to come into the business, they have to work three years for someone else before they can come into our business. That's a good rule. I like that. That's that's, that's yep. a good little
2: nugget. A little good, good little nugget right there. Um, but it, so
1: if we do, yeah. The only exception is if they wanted to come in at straight commission sales or right. uh, if they wanted to come into the trades, uh, then they could start. But if they want to come in the office and be a supervisor or manager, they have to have experience elsewhere. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Um, I can tell you so, there's a big downside to it. Oh, yeah? Uh, and that is that they may decide they like something else better. Uh, <laughs> as a parent, though, I think that that yeah. is a good thing. And so sure. I have three boys, and I, I don't know if they'll be a fourth generation or not. Yeah.
2: Well, I was going to say, let's talk. All three of your sons very successful people, too. Uh, very well educated, are doing very well for themselves. I mean, you certainly should be proud. You get, Let's go ahead and talk them up. What are What are they doing these days?
1: The oldest is, uh, just finished his second year at Harvard Law School. Uh, and he just got the internship with the firm that he wanted to in Nashville. So he'll be an intern there. Uh, and and it, it, most likely they will make him an offer at the end of the summer. So he'll know going into his third year, the firm that he's going to be working with. So he's really excited. Or sure. excited. Our second went to SMU, got okay. uh, finance degree, and he's working in Nashville for a healthcare company. Okay. Uh, and is singing and songwriting in the evenings very talented <laughs> okay. yeah that's great and our little guy he's 16 he's in boarding school in new hampshire at, at exeter academy that's amazing that's great boy i i'm assuming he's planning on moving to
2: nashville at some point as well
1: uh, probably yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who knows? Well, there's worse
2: places to go that's a fun town
1: yeah we've already started looking at houses in nashville if we have yeah, two spots there you you got to have a house there I bet,
2: I bet, that's great. I mean, I, I I can tell proud Papa as you should be, as yeah. you very well should be, that's fantastic. Um, All right, so let's circle back a little bit. You guys had a lot of different divisions going on. I mean, yeah, you just named, I feel like about five different things and then we well, haven't even got into like the heating and the plumbing and the electrical. So w- when did that all become a primary focus?
1: Well, and there's others that I've left out. So yeah, it, it, and ultimately this will tie back around, but uh, yeah. we got into burner service, just doing oil burners in the mid sixties. Okay. Uh, and then when we got into the propane business, uh, of course, we would work on propane equipment. Uh, but at that point, the, the service business was very much in support of the fuels business.
2: Mm,
1: okay. And so it, it was almost a loss leader. We were trying not to lose at it, but th- that was really the mentality of the fuels companies mm-hmm. uh, that you use the service to hold your customer base to. You. Right, 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 right. Uh, and so I think we really got into HVAC. In, i was in college i remember i think it was 84 85 when we really went after uh a uh, the opportunity to be selling equipment proactively outside okay. of our customer base uh, my father had a a, a long time friend who was had been in the business and was wanting to make a move and approached him and and they worked together start again okay the plumbing business came on i was out of college and i'm guessing probably 94 or 95 cool. okay the plumbers in the state previously they would allow companies to install water heaters HAC companies is like a limited uh, plumbing license sure. uh and they decided to crack down on that and mm. decide, you have to be a full plumber if you want to install <laughs> water heaters and at the time we were doing promotions with our builders where we would basically give them the propane water heater and install it because we wanted the gas that the propane uh, water heater would use so sure. they forced they forced me to go out and find a licensed plumber so ultimately oh, them trying to protect their business added another competitor who's been pretty <laughs> successful in the market uh then uh we got into the one hour heating and air conditioning franchise i would have right. to look up but i believe that was around oh five okay uh, and then Again, I'd have to look it up, but I would guess in 08 or so, we got in um, to Mr. Sparky. We we took on an electric franchise. Okay. So you never did Ben Franklin then? I can't. I, I never couldn't... did. And it okay. was
2: not available in our territory. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Now, was Spark... so Sparky, when you launched Sparky, was that the genesis? Was that the, the creation of your electrical division? Or or had you had a few electricians before then? No, we had not. Before. Okay, you had not. All right. Well, we we brought it up, so uh, let's we'll, we'll talk about it for a moment. Well, why ultimately did you decide to, to kind of get out of the, the franchise world and, and get back to your roots as Bolden Brothers?
1: There was a lot of reasons. Early on, for one hour, you could have Bolden's one hour on the logo, and they were starting to get away from that. Right. They were also not allowing me to have my uh, propane business logo on my one hour website or the, or, or on the plumbing. Uh, so they were starting to crack down on that. And then they wanted me to start putting the Benjamin Franklin logo up on my website. Oh. And so then they wanted me to be competing with myself or, or. Advertising yeah. or <laughs> Against on my yourself. yeah. So it just, it, also, yeah. we were the largest one hour in the Philadelphia region okay and they also started to uh, they wanted to distribute the marketing funds throughout the region Oh. Uh, wanted to do philadelphia radio and i don't i get very little benefit from philadelphia radio right uh, right so when they took away they, they really wanted to take away the, the 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 brand awareness that we had for being in the business for so long in the area sure sure and so it was just time to see if we could move on and so at our 10-year anniversary uh they were uh, good enough to let us go so okay we,
2: uh, wow it was 10 years i didn't realize it was that long tim holy cow
1: yep so um, we out, i believe well i have to check again i'm bad with dates cuz time flies i think we got out of that in 15 so i think we we're 05 to 15 that we were in okay life.
2: gosh that's a long yeah that's crazy you're right time does fly that, that is true um but let's backtrack a, a quick moment because i'm sure there is a story there you, you mean you joined sg well the time i guess was venvest or or just plumber success international and, and it was I think
1: just said, psi, because PSI right. airtime was not available yet because right. of non-compete that jim and john had right and it was actually airtime that i was most interested in
2: okay okay but
1: cause PSI was the only thing that was available i said i'm i'm jumping in both feet to that and whatever lessons i will learn to that i'm sure some of them will apply to hvac and then right. i was in line when airtime opened you were okay okay so I'm a well, founding member of both oh well, that's
2: incredible now what was the reason you got into psi at that time were you looking for it, or did they did we find you i don't
1: remember I, I believe that's a long time ago well, we were struggling and, and there was no but, doubt about it and I was looking yeah. for a group to join. Okay. And CSG was not available in my market because oh, one okay. of the competitors had it. Okay. So I don't remember if I found your marketing or your marketing found me, <laughs> uh, but I went down to the first, well, whatever they called it at the time, profit day. I guess it was yeah. still then. I don't know. Yeah. I signed up on the spot. Uh, yeah. My decision was easier than... Some guys, because you hear the stories of uh, like Gus writing a bad check and and doing all those sorts of things. We had a profitable fuel business, so yeah. I was not worried about us not being able to pay our dues or, or to pay the initial fee. I'm guessing we just wrote a check for that. Uh, yeah. we we're in the point of deciding if we wanted to stay in the service business or not because sure. we were working too hard to not make any money. Right, right, totally understand, totally understand. So you so you join and then you join
2: again. And obviously, we 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 cover the the franchise component of it. Did you guys pretty much quickly turn things around? I know, again, this is this has been some time has passed, and, and things tend to blend. But but did did you kind of run with the basics that that we talk to this day with contractors about all the time? Did you kind of run with it right away, or or was it a a,
1: a slow build up to profitability and growth? Uh, I I'm trying to think back. I, I know that we immediately went on success where. Uh, we went on the straightforward price guide. We instituted yeah. the Diamond Club. We mm-hmm. were wearing uniforms. The trucks looked pretty good. They, they weren't yeah. great, but yeah, you know, just like the uh, the the good old trucks in the uh, '80s and '90s with your name on the side. Look a little bit like a circus wagon, but <laughs> but it, 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 it was okay. Uh, but yeah. it was what we're known for in the market. Sure. Uh, so no, we jumped in with both feet. the, the biggest transition that I recall was the getting the technicians to change. Right, right, right. And so we had a lot of turnover until we started to find the right people. Uh, and, and I made the mistake that I, I've talked about on stage. We, we we were not good in HVAC when we got into plumbing. Mm, yeah, now, that was well before uh, uh, PSI, uh, but we still were not good at it when we got into the plumbing side of it. And so we made the mistake of not doing, being great at something and then trying to add something onto it that distracts you even more. Sure, sure. So it took some years of juggling before you kind of refined uh,
2: the operations. And, and and you would have done it differently had you known back then.
1: Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. My recollection was that we immediately, or not immediate, but pretty quickly went from a loss uh, to making a small profit. Okay. Uh, Even at that point, though, boy, I'm trying to remember back, but we were probably doing a couple million at the time that we switched over, you know, two, two, three million, something Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, But what we were also juggling is the impact of having full uh, service contracts for oil Mm -hmm. burners, where people pay you whatever it was at the time, 20 bucks a month, and it's full parts and maintenance. So full Mm -hmm. parts and labor and maintenance. Oh, goodness. And yeah. so when you're giving all that away, it, it makes it more difficult. Uh, sure. and so Until we, when we got out of the oil business in 01, our service business immediately got better because we mm. didn't have all this contract. We could focus more on natural gas and propane and air conditioning. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, very interesting.
2: You know, um, I'm glad you you kind of got into the, the multiple trades here in that discussion of uh, things you've learned. You know, that's a, it's a hot topic now. Uh, lots of members, lots of other contractors are, are are being successful, enjoying success, making a lot of money. And go well, hey! Uh, I got a great plumbing business. I think I'm going to get into HVAC, or I've got HVAC. It makes sense for me to get into electrical. What are maybe two or three pieces of advice you would have for those contractors that that are, you know, maybe they're just doing
1: really well right now and and they want to get into those those trades? What what would you tell them? If you're doing very well uh and by that you need to be at double digit profits if you're not at double digit profits before you move on you Mm -hmm. shouldn't move on because you have an opportunity with your existing business to be more successful so you should do that first the secondly it's going to take more time and more money and it's going to be a much bigger distraction than you think it's going to be right Uh, it's actually easier to go from plumbing and add electric Mm. Uh, or electric and add and plumbing than it is to be an HVAC and add either or, or vice versa because the plumbing right. and electric business are, are more closely uh, similar in terms of how they run no. and, and sure. yeah the model sure. uh, and so yeah, that, that that's my advice it's, it's going to take twice as long and twice as much money and going to be twice a distraction if not more than you think it's going to be right
2: in in your experience, would it make sense then to, is say you are starting over now and you had the plumbing business and you would start over electrical. If you, as you focus on electrical, you got to pretty much have to have, you have to have a service manager. You have to have a level of management beneath you to, to be sure that nothing drops with that's that right. current division, right? Well, that, that's what you would advise.
1: Well, I think if, if you were doing plumbing and adding electrical, depending on how many people were in the plumbing department, that manager with my help could probably do it uh, mm-hmm. because the, the day-to-day movements of the people are very similar. True. Uh, true. If you're adding HVAC or one of the other trades it's very different, then you probably need to jump in with both feet and, and have somebody or the owner should have enough time to be very hands-on for a period of time.
2: Mm-hmm, mm mm-hmm. hmm. How, how important is technical knowledge? So, yeah, for example, if you had a plumbing service manager help in, in that electrical side, how, how important is, is technical knowledge to you in your in your service managers? I know that's a hot, hot topic
1: that, that yeah. I hear all sorts of different uh, thoughts on. I think you need some technical people in the office. You don't need every person in the office to be technical. Uh, the, the fact is, and, and Lon has said this. He was talking about HVAC, but it's it's very similar for plumbing, and electric. Uh, most of your revenue comes from. It's the eighty twenty rule. It's right. the twenty percent of the repairs that you do eighty percent of the time. Mm-hmm. So okay. it, there's very common things that you do over and over and over. Uh, right. So for the most people can get up to speed pretty quickly uh, with the ways that we can track now with the software and the GPS. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's easier to manage productivity than it was years ago. Right. So I think that's helpful. Right, right. Uh, yeah. There's no doubt, though, and, and we have, I've made the mental shift, but I'm trying to get my people to do it. We want to be focused on effectiveness, not on efficiency. Okay. And what I mean by that is efficient is when you send the closest guy to the call because you uh, will have less windshield time. Right. Effective is when you dispatch for profit and you send the right person to the job. And as opposed to a $200 ticket there, he is a $600 ticket. The right. uh, effective is a hell of a lot better for your business and efficient. Sure, no, that's a good nugget right there. That's good stuff,
2: Tim. Um, you have obviously multiple managers, service managers that, that are monitoring and helping your team. What, what are some, traits of really strong service managers that you've found over the years? So, because again, we get this now, a lot of members are growing, uh, they're, they're understanding they need to re- replace themselves so they can continue to grow the business, but they, there's that whole trust, right? You're like, how, how do I let go and, and let someone do this for me?
1: So again, what, what are some strong traits of, of strong service managers? I think a, a, a good service manager has to be in the moment. Mm-hmm. and they only need to be looking a day or two out it's the owner's job to be looking two three four years out and i guess my ops manager's job to be looking six to 12 months out okay uh, the service manager is in the moment is the same right. day thinking about tomorrow right. and it's it's knowing what the rules are and holding the techs accountable and you shouldn't be a jerk about it but <laughs> if you have policies and procedures you want to make sure they're followed because yeah. if they're uh, six months down the line, the owner or the office manager is going to say, boy, we've really gotten off the rails here. And then you have to get everybody back in line. And and mm-hmm. that's never good. You're better off keeping everybody, having reasonable rules, policies, and procedures, and keeping them in it. Uh, and looking at your daily tickets. Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. to make sure that everybody's performing well. And you have to be doing uh, a DMR of some sort. We don't do the exact... Uh, uh, airtime or a psi one just because when we're in all three trades it was becoming pretty burdensome to do it for sure. all three so we have an abbreviated method for uh, to do it right but we look at number of calls budget to actual every day mm-hmm. and average ticket budget to actual Very uh, good. it seems to me that if you are at or ahead of budget on number of calls and at or above your average ticket you're on track right 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 and i don't need to worry about cash flow anymore with the margins in this business and us being all cod cash flow shouldn't be a concern if cash flow is a concern you you're not priced properly yeah i was going to say that's a pricing issue that's exactly right or you're still allowing people to to uh, charge to the company and you're sending bills or you may be priced properly but your guys are not trained properly and when they should be whatever number throw out there six eight hundred dollar average ticket and they have a a $300 average ticket, they're spending yeah. the same amount of time to get 300 is other people are spending to get six or 800. Sure, sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to, to, to chase there. Um, the pricing end of things, Tim, how, how frequently are you, I mean, especially, I mean, in this current climate where, you know, materials are skyrocketing and uh, how, how frequently do you typically in, increase your prices uh, at Bolden Brothers?
1: We usually it's, each year, we did not do one last year. We were in the process of coming around to it and COVID hit Yeah. and we just decided that we weren't going to do that. Everybody was struggling and, and we didn't want to do that. Uh, right. We started 21 with a price increase on the price book and we instituted a TFS charge, a truck fuel and stock charge yeah. of $16. Yeah. Uh, it, it's amazing. I I don't remember the exact number. I could pull it out of my notes, but we've we've collected, I think, $14,000 already this year yeah, in TFS money, that's fourteen thousand dollars we wouldn't have had before, yeah. And that fourteen thousand dollars to drop straight to the bottom line. Yeah, uh, the, well, the way ga,
0: gas is
2: and way gas is going right now, Tim, you're going to probably end up spending spending it, unfortunately.
1: Well, and what what I've been thinking about, and I haven't pulled the trigger yet, yeah. uh, But we probably need to take the TFS up to twenty one, right? Uh, Five or six dollar increase, uh, and then look at the price book and determine if uh, we need to do an across the board price increase, and if I do a price increase, then I would drop the tFs charge back down. Uh, sure. our margin's been really good so far this year, right right uh, and so we we I look at the margin very closely each month. I think that's critical <laughs> sure. uh, we we do not nickel and dime inventory, okay uh, because we can see it in the the, the monthly p and l if you're out of whack on inventory, mm-hmm. it goes up really quickly uh, right we bought or, or I felt that the efforts that you made to track each small piece is not worth the return. Right. But uh, by the same token, uh, we stress this with our team all the time. We're not worried about having good stock on your truck because we're worried about it walking out the door. We want good stock on your truck so that you can be more efficient, more productive, and have less downtime when you're traveling back to the shop or supply house to pick things up. So we want to be good at it for you so you can make more money.
0: Support for this podcast comes from Dynamic. Dynamic Air Quality Solutions manufactures IAQ products based on the science of clean air. Dynamic's clean air defense system products are supported by technical and communication IAQ training that is second to none in the industry. For more information on how to get your team confident in communicating IAQ challenges and solutions on every call, email Michelle Hogan at mhogan at dynamicaqs.com.
2: Welcome back to the show. I'm interviewing Tim Bolden of Bolden Brothers in Newark, Delaware. We've learned the Bolden Brothers story and already gotten some great operational and management insight from Tim. And we're about to get a whole lot more. So let's not hesitate and jump back into the conversation with Tim Bolden of Bolden Brothers. You still have to watch. Like I know when talking with Jimmy, he he knows when there's certain, he can look at his numbers and there's certain trucks that if they get off a certain percentage, it's time to go talk to that that mm-hmm. tech do you have a similar rule where, where if their materials percentage gets out of whack you go that that's
1: time for a conversation yeah you have to yeah. uh we haven't had to deal with that very often yeah. we do have barnett in-house for well, it's now home depot pro oh, I, yes also, i was going to ask you yeah say that, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have the vmi and we've had that for quite a long time mm-hmm. uh, i can't imagine if you're a business our size or whatever size we were when we started not having them uh, yeah I I can't imagine the the size that you would need to be to do it on your own is bigger than I even aspire to get to. Right. Right. And even right. Then, I'm not sure it makes
2: sense. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. No uh Ryan do you do I guess Ryan Fidgen over there he okay. he he's a good guy. He does he's I think great. we're going to actually have him on the show because of of the erraticness that's going on in material pricing and Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. So, but yeah, speak to when did you decide that that was time to do that, that you were tired of hitting your head against the wall and and, and trying to to monitor
1: all this yourself? It was more, I was a just in time inventory guy. I didn't like having a lot of stuff in the warehouse because it it goes bad when it's in the warehouse, either walks out or it becomes obsolete (laughs) or gets damaged. Sure. Ultimately, it it started to hamper operations. Okay. Yeah. Because we had more unproductive time than we should have because we were running to parts houses and doing all those other sorts of things. So that's when we made the move.
2: Right, right. And so those guys, they, the trucks come in, they know based on your software, what's been used, they replace it, it's it's, bing, bing, boom. Um, because you have a relationship with them so long, do you still, I mean, you know, we, we preach all the time with members, you still gotta keep an eye on, on those prices going up. I mean, is that something you still keep a tight eye on and talk to them yeah.
1: about and, and kind of shop them a little bit still? Oh yeah there's no doubt about it but i do have a different uh, definition uh, when i spend over a hundred thousand dollars with somebody i call them a partner yeah not a vendor yeah. right uh, right but when you have partners like uh i don't know what the spend will be with hd pro I, I do know that our contract is 150 a quarter and we're well above that so i i don't sure. even know what my annual purchase is with them anymore uh yeah. but it's hundreds of thousands of dollars a year okay uh, yeah the person that they have in managing our VMI is great. He's a valued part of our team and our success. Uh, but yeah, good. you have to look at him for pricing. Sure, sure, yeah. And,
2: yeah, and, and, and so when, that's interesting you bring up, he he is a part of your team at that point. Um, how frequently are you having conversations with him about maybe if you're looking to push a certain type of product in the home with your technicians or or you're just noticing in general guys are selling more something because maybe you're training more on it um so again how frequently
1: are those are those conversations with with that gentleman in-house i don't have any of them anymore it's my operations manager but yes they are a part of it and and the beauty of it is say we want to run a special on power flush toilets and it was an awful idea and we don't sell any of them yeah if i had brought three of them into my warehouse and i owned them i would have never i'd have given away i don't know what i would have done yeah yeah just cycle them back into their stock if it sits on our shelves for too long yeah that's great we don't ever have dead stock. We have not had a theft issue. Uh, early on, we had a couple of things that were a concern that disappeared. And uh, cameras keep honest people honest. Mm-hmm. And so we have, I think it's four cameras in the warehouse. When we moved, we, we put them in. And uh, sure. we've not had a problem since. That's great. That's great. Um, yeah, I,
2: I mean, in terms of, of of supply materials, have you had any any issues in terms of getting certain certain items certain types of equipment uh not very much
1: yeah i I do think that it's more a factor of the volume that we have right they take care of (laughs) it one of the larger spenders in a supply house right and so they're more likely to take care of the people that buy a lot and something else is very important we buy a lot and we always take the prompt pay discount right why don't you if you you have the cash in the bank, you should take the discount uh, and so they don't ever have to worry about us in not paying them. They don't ever have to worry about us taking advantage of warranty issues. Yeah. They know that we're going to do more than anybody else would to try and fix it ourselves before we turn to them for help.
2: Absolutely. So when,
1: when you build those sorts of relationships, they know it. Yeah, no, they've, they've
2: been great. Um, I know uh, I brought it up because there are a number of, of members in other markets that are much smaller that are. Are struggling for types of stock and they get on our, our internal Facebook pages and go, Does anyone have this? And, and and we'll say, Well, have you talked to Home Depot Pro? And and they'll go, Well, unfortunately they have that Home Depot stigma. So they go, Well, I didn't want to talk to them, but then they do and they go, Oh my gosh, Ryan and his team are incredible. Yeah. And uh, they hooked us up and they found these types of breakers we couldn't
1: find and and so on and so forth. So I, I wanted to well, When we go moved ahead. to the new building. We had to go to a temporary building for two years while this was being built. Right. And, and make sure the phone doesn't ring sorry uh, that's all right Tim. But, uh they moved twice for us and, oh, wow. and they got better each time when we finally came to this new building they got all new racking they they had changed what they did over time and so they got us up to the most current uh yeah they've been a great partner
2: that's great that's good to hear that's really good to hear so sorry for the advertisement everyone but when you get someone that's good it's worthwhile so i think
1: there's not many good. people that i glow about uh in terms <laughs> of the impact that they've had on our business and yeah. I give them five stars every time someone asks. That's great. That's great. That's wonderful.
2: Um let's circle back a little bit. Um you you know we've talked about uh growing into different trades and 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 starting to build uh levels of management beneath yourself. Again, this is a hot topic cuz so many are growing and doing well, which is very exciting, but but um, there's lots to be learned as that as that happens. When when is a good time, Tim, to begin to remove yourself from uh, being the service manager and then going to operations manager, and then at the same time, when is it right the right time to go? Okay, I can't be operations manager anymore. I need someone someone to do that. So that, that's a that's a two sided question, and it's a it's a big big two sided question. But what what are your thoughts on that?
1: I am not the best person to ask because I was never the person in the truck that made the transition in the office and then made the transition to a manager. When mm-hmm. I started running the service business, uh, I always I had, always had a like an assistant manager under me or a dispatcher mm-hmm. someone that was moving people around and taking a little bit more of the moment by moment. Right. Uh, I can tell you that when we made, boy, you, you can see my wheels are spinning. Yeah. Uh, trying to think back uh, on the history of it all and when we made the moves uh i I know we had a service manager i'm trying to think when we uh the customer service manager was something that was really important to me but at the time we were trying to find a when you're small and you're making these interim steps we wanted an office manager that could do accounting and manage the call (laughs) center yeah some things uh, I think are e- easier at my size than they were when we were at two or three million. Sure. Uh, I, if you double- everyone's wearing hats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we can. Our, what we have now is a sales and marketing manager that manages the call center. But over the call center, we have what we call our client experience manager. So she's in yeah. assistant manager role. So we you have. You can have some layers. You have to be careful of the layers. Yeah. Uh, you can sometimes get too many chiefs and not enough Indians. So you want to be really careful about that. Yeah. Uh, we, we look very closely when I'm budgeting all the labor rules that, uh, the, the key uh, KPIs that SGI has for us looking to make sure that we're staying within all of those and, and tracking that very closely. Mm-hmm. Um, when we made the transition to the structure that we have now, I was the, uh general manager and i but i had an ops manager so usually you're you're taking multiple roles as you're growing so right. i was a general manager but also i was doing the sales and marketing management and, okay and that was tough sure uh, sure so then we we had an ops manager to sales and marketing manager uh and then uh, what, kind of all from there right real quick when, when is the right
2: time to so you you i uh, so like you just said you were you were gm and sales and marketing manager too massive roles um when did you say okay this is enough i can't i cannot manage general management sales management and marketing management i mean th- those are the three
1: critical roles so um when it was the time to let very go long because when you're budgeting if, if you're budgeting for growth that means you also have to be budgeting to add people in the field and in the office right, and right. so what you can't do is be a 10% two uh, for your admin at 2 million in sales and think you can stay at that same 200,000 when you're at 4 million in sales. It right. has to go up to $400,000. Uh, and I think the mistake people make is that when you don't add those people on, you can't manage the day-to-day and track performance, motivate, train, and do all those things that you need to do. Yeah, no, that's good stuff.
2: Uh, we, we, we went into some of the key KPIs that you you guys monitor on a daily basis. I'm sure there's, there's many more. Uh, you and I have talked a lot over the years about um, how you you manage your team, the, the management level, uh, just for those that are are, are watching, listening, uh, depending on the medium. Um, how frequently do you get together with your
1: management team? And and real quickly, who does that all include so people have an idea? We have a weekly management meeting that's uh, me and my admin manager. She does the accounting and the office management, the sales and marketing and their ops manager. Uh, mm-hmm. We have started including with that group, the recruiter, because she also has some HR functions. And right. our trainer, right. our training manager. Uh, so we we've, we've been doing that. Our, our ops manager meets with his team on a regular basis, but uh, meets with all of them once a week in, mm-hmm. in one room. The sales and marketing has the same thing. She has weekly meetings with her project. We call them project managers, right. uh, not comfort advisors anymore. And she also meets with the call center everyone the call center weekly.
2: Mm hmm. -hmm. Now, uh, what what are those conversations at the top end? Um, Is it just purely looking at the budget and looking at where the KPIs are sitting week to week? Uh, Maybe kind of just walk people through what what those meetings entail?
1: Well, I I, I can tell you from the shout outs that we get, uh, all the managers know where we stand. I'm just pulling it up uh, for what came out today uh bu- 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 i should be able to find a shout out sorry uh so like as of right now we are booking at 94 percent. this is from the call center and we've sold 39 nice. calls. uh nice. electric we've budgeted for 15 maintenance calls we run 13. our average ticket goal is there is 335 we're at 178 uh so we're behind there but for repair we're 15 calls over we should be at 79 we're at 94. uh but we're 23 under our average ticket uh, Okay. Plumbing I mean, maintenance we are four calls over but we are 57 dollars under okay. uh and it's interesting as the month develops you, yeah uh, you tend to find that you, you have these some months where you start gangbusters and you have these really high average tickets and yeah. then they increase ever, over the month and then you have other months where you have a low average ticket because you didn't sell the water eaters the digs and all of a sudden it increases over the month. So every that month come together differently.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if there's just some human nature that if you start red hot, everyone gets a little comfortable that that they know where they're at. And then if they're behind, they go, "Oh gosh, we gotta, we gotta pick it up. Yeah, yeah, there's probably some of
1: that. When yeah. we, we look at, uh, I think we're now using five or six years of historical data. And mm-hmm. what we do know is calls, when we look at them on a quarter at a time, we can project pretty accurately. Mm-hmm. Uh, when mm-hmm. you look at a month at a time, because of weather variations and other mm-hmm. things, and stuff. Uh, but sure. for average ticket, it, it we hit it most months. I don't want to say we hit it every month, uh, but we are over it enough in months for the months that we're under that we we tend to hit it for the year. That's great. That's great. And so you asked if if we're going to talk about that. We do talk about it if we need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But if we don't need to talk about it, we don't bother. Okay. So okay. if you look at it and it's all green lights. We don't talk about it, but for the right. yellows and the reds, that's
2: what we're going to talk about. Discussion, and we'll and everyone kind of figures in how they can help out, or if there's a miscommunication between departments or whatever, right? You just kind of yeah. you kind of self triage. Yeah. Um What What are then the what are the big uh, discussion points in those meetings then? If, if everything's going well, you got it's green lights oh. a, across the board. Is it just preparing for the next season? Is it Is it talking long term about that? Um, is it planning on do we need to have more trucks do we need to i mean t- talk to me about what what else is discussed in those meetings if everything's
1: in, going well in the meetings that i have that i hold yes. once we're yes. just looking at the the very high level things we actually we do look at each tech and their average ticket for the last 30 days we, we look at what we call their slm or their success rate it's okay. if they have uh, set a lead uh made a sale or, or sold a membership okay. and so we like the success rate so we look very closely at their success rate and we're always looking at a trailing 30 days we used to look at it a seven and a 30-day trailing the difficulty is just like we just talked about yeah. uh a guy can have an awful seven days but can still have a great month
2: right so right when
1: you have more data points in 30 days it's a more accurate reflection of how they're performing so we are looking at all of our techs and we look at their maintenance performance and their repair performance. Okay. And, uh, and then just make sure that they're, they're, they're setting the leads. So we, we don't track leads based off the of total number of calls. We track leads based off of whether there's an opportunity. And okay. I believe opportunity is for equipment that's over 10 years. Okay. Uh, so, well, cause what you don't want to do, it's unfair to a technician that's new and he's always working on two and three year old equipment, and SGI airtime says you should turn 15% leads, I think was the number for maintenance. Yeah. Well, if he's a new guy and he's working on three-year-old equipment, <laughs> if he's setting 15% in leads, something's yeah. wrong. Yeah, right? hopefully you didn't install that. <laughs> so we want to be tracking yeah. based off of the opportunity that they've had. Right. That so That sense. we can barely be looking at. Uh, whether they're performing at a high level or not. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's a big part of it. Uh, We're making the transition and I think we're doing okay, but not great yet. Uh, Hiring for attitude and aptitude and training. So that's why the trainer is now on there and the recruiter, because that's so important. So the beginning of every meeting is talking about uh, who the recruiter has talked to, any hot prospect we may have, how I may be able to get involved and help the process. Yeah. Uh, and then with the trainer in there, we're looking at people very closely, certainly for the first 90 days, mm-hmm. uh, but we're also looking at them further on and, and as they're developing and, and moving them through the process. So yeah. hiring for attitude and aptitude has become, it, it was a struggle. I, 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 I'm i trying to come up with my term. Yeah, I, I was the first true believer, right? That's always <laughs> the, the owner's yeah. the first true believer, and then right. you have everybody else on board. Sure. And, so we have done a good job of that. We keep getting better at that, but there's no doubt the companies that are gonna win the day are the ones that have the people to go out and run the calls. Absolutely. And everybody else is gonna be, I guess, hiring the people that we don't want anymore. Right, Right. And that's true. That, and they're still probably better than most techs out there, but there's, there's certainly, there's some reason if we let them go, they're the reason they were let go. Sure, for sure. Um... I want to i want to get into bounce back in a second but
2: while we're talking about gr- growing your own do you know how roughly how many apprentices you have on, on your team is it i mean do you have a, a ratio that you want to keep number per truck or is it just as you find a good uh, a good person you uh you snatch them up
1: in rough numbers it's 50 percent for us for plumbing and electric so for every okay. two technicians we want to have one apprentice okay and that number was starting to creep up a little bit. So we're, we're probably a little bit higher than uh, one per every two. In, yep. in HVAC, it's about one to one. So for okay. each technician we have, we have a maintenance technician. So they're not okay. always apprentices. The HVAC sure. has the benefit of getting the, someone product, productive most quickly. Yes, yes. Because you can get them up to speed and they can be doing maintenance. And then we have. Uh, ways that we can speed up their transition to becoming a service tech right right do you um do they always
2: start as maintenance or do you have them go and install as a helper for at first to understand how things are are installed or or do you prefer them start on the service side and then you go, okay, you maybe don't have the yeah no I'm as glad the communicator know. yeah
1: they almost always do a run in install okay and it's it's usually as a third person on a team. Uh, Mm -hmm. okay uh, as a third person yeah because it's a burden to a lead installer Mm -hmm. if you keep throwing a newbie to him (laughs) especially if you're only going to have him there for 60 days or whatever the number is yeah Uh, Yeah. and and so this way you don't have that burden Uh, it's different if you throw in a a new person at a a lead installer and he knows that's going to be his assistant after he trains him right no that's a good point the hope is that we get them, once we get them proficient, where they could install the outdoor unit on their own, Yeah. we make the transition to maintenance. Because our thought is, when we get into the busy season, we have service techs that can be lead installers. Right. If I have maintenance techs that can help with the outdoor, they may not be as productive as a full team, but they can still do a good day's work. Sure. That's
2: good. That's a good little little nugget right there. Yeah um we're i'm gonna wrap up here because we're closing in on the hour and, and i i we're just gonna have to have you back tim because you're just too much fun to talk to but um uh we i wanted to circle back on the management thing, just because again this is a hot topic um growing managers how do i you know how, how do i manage them what does that look like conversations look like the other big thing i see more and more is incentives how do i incentivize my management team how do i pay them so uh, at bolden brothers what what you know you don't have to get in exact numbers i don't want to you know we don't need to do that but but are, are they incentivized based on gross
1: margin or or you know what do you what do you do specifically it is. we look at quarterly they have a quarterly bonus opportunity that's based off of gross margin percentage and gross margin dollars okay what you don't want to do is hit the gross margin dollars because they sold a lot of stuff but they gave it away right and so that's why we look at the percentage and for the dollars and if they do that then they can have a, a we have a pretty good bonus pool. actually the budgeted bonus pool for this year uh is hundred thousand dollars that's just for wow. the quarterly bonuses and then we do uh, it's a more of a discretionary year-end bonus okay uh, I say discretionary there's a formula that i use that's tied to the profit percentage uh so as the profit percentage increases the bonus pool increases Uh, Very good. I I say it's a little bit discretionary because for years like COVID where we didn't have the year that we were hoping for, but my people pitched in and and they were there every day when when people were stressed and they were trying to keep it all together. Uh, So there's a little bit of discretionary to that formula too.
2: Sure, sure. That's great. That's good stuff.
1: Tim, I have about 30 questions more I could
2: ask you about operations, call center, all sorts of recruiting. We got into a little bit, but we'll, we'll kick that for maybe another day another in, in a couple you know months or so from now. Let I'm just interested. What are your, um, what are your long-term goal? I mean, what are you, maybe not long-term, but five-year goals with, with Bolden Brothers? I mean, you know, better than I do what's going on in our industry and people are getting bought up and I know you just sold, you know, another division of the business and, and I think you enjoy doing it, but but do you have a clear plan of what the next five years look like? I don't,
1: I'm gonna be 56 in a few weeks.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I plan to be probably working every day through 60. Uh, when I turn 60, my youngest will be going to college. Uh, I think I may try and uh, go to like three days a week. I don't know, we'll see, I love what <laughs> I do. It, right. I, I, I don't wanna say it's a hobby in terms of a, belitt- a belittling term. Sure. Uh, Growing up in a business, when you grow up in a small business, it's like a sibling. And when you become the owner, it it becomes a child. That's the type of relationship that the business has. So it's always been there. I can't imagine uh, it not. uh, Some people think about fishing and hunting or whatever they're going to do. Boy, when my brain goes quiet, I I tend to think of business stuff. And and not in an overwhelming workaholic way, but it's a passion of mine sure Uh, i think some of it will depend does my youngest have any interest does my middle have any interest i think the oldest will not yeah uh so i will probably start thinking about succession stuff when i turn 62 or so Uh, i do want to grow i do not have 50 million in my site uh i have 10 million in my sites uh Mm -hmm. we won't hit it this year uh, but i think we'll hit it quicker than we were going to. Right. I have that in my sights because I think when you are a little bit larger, it's easier to absorb the recruiting and training cost sure. because to do it right. If you're half my size, you probably have the same cost. Yeah. Right. And right. So as a percentage, it's a much higher percentage cost to you than it is to me. Yeah. And
2: and you and I have talked in the past with, with you know, rapid growth. Sounds great until you find out all the stuff that you didn't know that <laughs> that comes with it. And you end up juggling for a couple, you know, maybe even a year or
1: two. Right that's exactly right and i will tell you i think 21 is going to be one of the easy years and mm-hmm. occasionally you have them usually the year after an easy year is awful
0: <laughs> you,
1: you never know what's coming uh yeah but yeah you, you just every year is a little bit different you just got to plan and and prepare and yeah and just keep a positive attitude sure sure
2: and you know have a good team that that helps you out um last question is if i you know if you had any advice to members or non-members that are, that listen or watch this uh say look at wh- where you were five or maybe even 10 years ago what
1: are some hard lessons learned that you'd go don't do this or do this if you have that feeling that someone's not a good fit for your organization they are not mm. and and it does more damage to keeping someone that's not a good fit than it does letting him go yeah and if you have a financial person that you ever lose confidence in as soon as you lose confidence in a financial person whether it's in-house or your own cpa you immediately have to make a move you you can't not have your financial people have 100 percent of your confidence
2: yeah that's really good that's good insight that's uh
1: insight from a guy who's been doing this for a while so I can. I've learned more from my mistakes than my
2: successes, so I'm happy to share. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Tim, uh, thank you so very much for your time. I always enjoy talking with you. You're always full of great insight. Uh, I'm gonna have to bug you again in a couple of months if if, you, if you're you could set some more time aside for me. So i be glad. Thank, you. Thanks, thank you so very much, and have a great rest of your day, bye. buddy. Bye. Hey, thank you. Bye bye. That's Tim Bolden of Bolden Brothers Plumbing, Heating, Air, and Electric in Newark, Delaware. Thanks for joining us. If you feel like you have a great story worth sharing that would also help other contractors, please email me at behouchen at yoursgi.com. Also, if you enjoyed today's show, if you're on YouTube, give us a like and subscribe. If you're on your favorite podcast player, leave us a five-star review. And please join us for future episodes. It's my promise to you that we will continue to interview other successful contractors and other influential individuals in the residential contracting world. This is The Successful Contractor powered by Success Group International.
0: Support for this podcast comes from Professional Plumbing Group. How many hours in a day do your plumbers waste because you don't have the right part for the job? This problem leads to additional issues and reduced productivity, poor customer satisfaction, and increases your cost per job. Professional Plumbing Group, or PPG, can help you solve all those issues and more. We have everything you need to help your business grow and become more profitable by allowing you to focus on plumbing and not inventory management. Go to AuthorizedPlumberProgram.com for more information. The Successful Contractor Podcast is part of the Success Group International family. SGI is the largest member-owned best practices organization for independent residential services contractors. SGI provides its members a competitive edge through proven proprietary management tools and expertise, marketing programs, training, and group buying power, along with a highly active and eager-to-help membership. For more information about Success Group International, visit www.yoursgi.com.